Welcome to the Health Focus Podcast, brought to you by Memorial Healthcare, where we discuss current trends and topics that are important to our Shiawassee community. As always, we are coming to you from our now building in our podcast studio. With me here today is Dr. Sasha Spensley, a general surgeon here at Memorial and a partner of mine at Memorial Surgical Associates. Dr. Spensley, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So our topic today is reflux disease, also known as GERD or heartburn. Why reflux disease? So reflux disease, I wanted to talk about this week specifically because the week of Thanksgiving is National Gastroesophageal Reflux Disease Awareness Week. So overindulging often leads to symptoms of reflux like heartburn, bloating, and regurgitation. But when these symptoms happen regularly with normal eating habits, you may be suffering from GERD. So it's a week to remind you to not overindulge, and if you do experience symptoms like this, to talk to your primary care. So what exactly is GERD or reflux disease? So GERD, it's otherwise known as gastroesophageal reflux disease. It's a very common pathology in the United States. About one in five people or 20% of our population suffer from it. It refers to symptoms that result from reflux of stomach contents through the lower esophageal sphincter, primarily into the esophagus, but also into the mouth, lungs, and throat, and it results in subsequent inflammation and irritation. So what exactly causes this reflux or GERD? So to understand what causes it, we kind of have to go into some anatomy. So there is a band of muscle between your esophagus and your stomach called the lower esophageal sphincter. And this acts as a barrier to prevent backflow of stomach contents into the esophagus. So reflux occurs when this barrier is compromised, resulting in the inflammation irritation from reflux of stomach contents, leading to the clinical manifestations of GERD. So if this muscle is too relaxed or too weak, if the stomach is too overdistended, it can thin out the muscle. If your stomach doesn't empty as well as it should, food can back up and reflux into the esophagus. If you have alterations in your anatomy, like a large hiatal hernia, or if you have too much acid in your stomach, these can all be causes of GERD. So what are the risk factors that can lead to this? Certain risk factors that can lead to GERD are obesity, hiatal hernia, pregnancy or anything that increases intra-abdominal pressure, chronic cough, constipation, uh, delayed gastric emptying, and certain connective tissue disorders like scleroderma or rheumatoid. So for our audience, what are the common symptoms of reflux that they should watch out for? So there are typical symptoms of GERD and atypical symptoms. The typical symptoms are from irritation of the esophagus, and that is where you get the symptoms of heartburn or burning chest pain, a water brash taste in your mouth, the feeling of something stuck in your throat or pain with swallowing. The atypical symptoms are considered extraesophageal or from irritation of the acid in something other than your esophagus, like your lungs or your throat. So coughing, wheezing, asthma, hoarseness, or dental erosions or cavities. There are certain alarm symptoms that you should really be on the lookout for that should prompt further evaluation by your primary care. So if you have trouble swallowing, getting full easily, throwing up blood, or weight loss. These are all alarm symptoms that should prompt evaluation. What would happen if these symptoms or this reflux disease is left untreated? If left untreated, the inflammation can progress to esophageal ulcerations, narrowing in your esophagus or a stricture, changes of the inner lining of your esophagus called Barrett's, and it can even progress to cancer of the esophagus. So as a surgeon, I know there's some surgical solutions to GERD, but it seems like there's some medical as well. Can you go over those different pathways? 
The first line treatment for GERD is maximum medical therapy. So we typically start with a trial of PPI medications or proton pump inhibitors. We use these for about eight weeks, and then we uh, recommend a GERD lifestyle. So avoiding eating meals within three hours of going to sleep, tobacco cessation, avoiding trigger foods like spicy foods or tomato-based foods, elevating the head of your bed at night if you have reflux symptoms that bother you at night, and weight loss. Once your symptoms are controlled with those lifestyle modifications, we then try to wean you to the lowest effective dose of your medication that will control your symptoms. Now, are there any contraindications to using these PPIs long-term? There are a lot of side effects with long-term use of PPI medications, including dementia, osteoporosis or bone loss, vitamin deficiencies, and bacterial infections. So a lot of patients don't want to remain on these for long-term. And that's why we have certain surgical indications for repair. So patients who have breakthrough symptoms despite maximum medical therapy, patients with large hiatal hernias, or patients who do not wish to be on PPI therapy long-term, surgery is an effective treatment for GERD. So some surgical options offered here at Memorial are robotic hernia repairs or tightening of that muscle, and also a TIF procedure, a transoral incisionless fundoplication, tightening that muscle through an endoscopic means. I've heard you mention a few times about hiatal hernia. What exactly is that, and how does that relate to reflux disease? So GERD and hiatal hernias are two separate diseases, but they have a lot of overlapping symptoms, and the treatment is very similar. So a hiatal hernia is where the hole in your diaphragm that the esophagus normally travels through is widened, and this results in a part of your stomach or an other organ herniating above the diaphragm into the chest. What are symptoms of these hiatal hernias? Are they similar to GERD or sometimes different? The most common symptoms of a hiatal hernia is GERD. About 50 to 90% of patients with GERD have a hiatal hernia, but you can also experience symptoms like abdominal pain, chest pain, feeling full early, nausea, or vomiting if the hernia is large. How do you diagnose these hiatal hernias? Diagnosis is typically with imaging and upper endoscopy, so an EGD to evaluate the size of the hernia, and then a swallow study or a barium swallow, which helps us determine how the esophagus functions and how large the hernia is. For our listeners who don't know, can you explain what an upper endoscopy or EGD is? Yes, an EGD is basically a colonoscopy, but going the other way through your mouth. So you introduce a scope through the mouth, and you're able to evaluate the esophagus and the stomach visually. So after diagnosis, how do you go about treating hiatal hernias? So hiatal hernia and GERD treatments are very similar. For small hiatal hernias and patients that don't have symptoms, we do not have to offer any treatment. For small hernias with symptoms of reflux disease, we treat them the same way as we treat GERD. So maximum medical therapy, PPI medication, sleeping with the head of the bed elevated. And then for patients where they have breakthrough symptoms despite maximum medical therapy or the hiatal hernia is large, then the treatment would be surgical. Excellent. Well, Dr. Spensley, that wraps up our podcast. And thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate it. To all those out there listening, thank you again for listening to the Health Focus podcast brought to you by Memorial Healthcare. Please be sure to like and rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And to all those out there, have a happy Thanksgiving. And until next time, this is Dr. Flermone, the voice of Memorial.